Amen. Amen. Nick, who wrote that? How about your heart? I have no idea. <laughs> You're going to worry about that all night now. We'll, hey, I'll find it out before the evening's over. That's all right. Uh, I told Diana, I, I looked at Diana and said, that's, <laughs> that's one of so-and-so's songs. And then I thought to myself, no, I miss that. I miss that. It's a delight to be, you know how delighted I am to be here with Nick's music and the rest of the band and whatnot. Uh, when I was uh, first saved um, and uh, first, uh, the first church, first Baptist church I was ever a member of, uh, a man named Elmo Mercer played the piano. Uh, some of you may have heard of him. Elmo's still around somewhere. Uh, but uh, a dear friend of mine through the years, a great gospel music writer, uh, um, and I, th I think he, he um, I think uh, he arranged the uh, the the hymns in the those uh, stamps Baxter uh, Redback Hymnal. Anybody looking at me? You look at everybody. What's he talking? About? I'm just rambling. I just woke up. All right, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, but when I hear music like that, it stirs my heart and makes me think of things. Uh, if you have your uh, Bible, I want you to turn to First Peter with me. Uh, we are a con a continuing series of sermons through the book of First Peter. Uh, thank you for your encouragement, your prayers, and your love. Uh, you were so encouraging this morning. I, I appreciate the privilege of, uh, of preaching and coming close to the time of a of when we're going to uh, uh, go through the Easter week. Tonight, we continue uh, with a series in First Peter. Last week, we considered the topic, you can and should be holy, as Peter talked about God's people being holy. And tonight, uh, he uh, technically comes to a place uh, where... He says, this is one of the reasons I want, I challenge you to be holy. It says, you ought to do it in a spirit of great appreciation and thanksgiving to God for redeeming us by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's our passage. That's the center of it this evening. So if you have 1 Peter chapter 1, all we're going to read is verses 18 through 20, and I'll invite you to stand with me as I read it aloud for us in honor of God's Word. Verses 18 through 20. Uh, of course, you're going to almost see that it, it, it's kind of stuck in the middle of some exhortation and teaching. Uh, verse 18 comes after a colon in verse 17, and then it has a comma just after the finish of verse 20 because it's kind of a continuation, but the heart of it is all about this theme of redemption, what God paid for our salvation. In verse 18, it says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, 
who verily was ordained before the foundation of the world. I tell you, that's one of those real head scratchers, isn't it? Uh, the redeem, redeeming grace of God, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the giving of His Son, ordained before the foundation of the world. That's what it says. We'll deal with it, won't we? Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest. In other words, we saw Him. He came, it came about in these last times for you, church, for you, the redeemed. Father in heaven, guide us in these moments. We would have you be well pleased with what we say and what we do here this evening. Um, thank you for uh, the precious blood of Jesus. A lot of things I count precious in my life. Uh, my wife, my children. I think of my mom. Um, there's a lot of things I count precious, but I, there's no more appropriate word in the English language that I can think of than the precious blood of Jesus, my precious Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I ask you to guide us in these moments as we go through this passage. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. I've mentioned to you, I think, on more than one occasion that um, my daughter and son-in-law and four grandchildren, that's fully half of all my grandchildren, are, are missionaries uh, in West Africa. Uh, I don't want to violate anything for them. Uh, I'm not even telling you their, their names right now. That will help in this. Uh, but the area in which they serve is on the most extreme west coast of Africa. Uh, and in that region, there's a place that I have visited numerous times as I have taken trips to both visit them and lead, lead mission teams over there. And there's a place that's called Gore Island. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, but Gore Island was primarily owned and uh, settled and run by the French in the 16th century, and it was there for one reason, slave trade. Uh, and as I tour that island, and uh, I go into those places where they traded and auctioned off human beings, and I go into the cells and the, and the holding places they had. Uh, when I look at a room that's bare, not even hardly 15 by 15, and the guy tells us that basically 100 men were housed in here, uh, and go through and hear the stories and know about the places, and my wife Diana can tell you about the tour and what you see and whatnot. And there's one place, there, there's a, a, a long hallway, and the end of it was a metal door. And in that metal door, there was a plank that would run from that door down to the slave ship. And they called that doorway the, the door of no return. Um, and it's horrible, tragic, takes your breath away every time. And I, I go back to be reminded and I'm reminded of how slavery is absolutely America's national sin. And I don't know that, that I can't even imagine which generation, it won't be mine, will ever stop paying for our national sin and what happened. And I'm, my heart breaks over it, this thing about slavery. And it, it ought to break your heart. I, I, red, yellow, black, and white, it ought to break our hearts 
uh, that, that they would sell people into slavery and treat them as property. It was, it's just horrible. But I lead from that into this. I know it can be no more horrible than being a slave to sin. Um, that it, it's just the truth. Being a slave to sin. And everyone outside of Christ is a slave to sin. Everyone outside of Christ needs to be redeemed. And the redemption of those that are slaves to sin is being redeemed, bought back by the blood, and set free to know God and love Jesus Christ. Peter talks about redemption in this passage. His words in this passage are in the context of where he encourages us to live holy lives. Why does he want us to live holy lives? We ought to live holy lives to show we appreciate the fact that God redeemed us with the blood of Jesus. We, if there's any other reason to live holy lives, we ought to show that we appreciate the gift of God through the cross of Jesus Christ. Um, I um, have a phrase in my notes, and it makes it's kind of a Christmas theme, and it's this, no one has shopped longer or spent more money, spent more on gifts than God. You thought I was going to say my wife, didn't you? No one, my, my wife and I are not shoppers. I, I tell you, um, I'm definitely not a shopper. Um, I, you know my vision of hell, don't you? The largest Walmart in the world with no benches. Uh, uh, that, that's close, about as close you can get. Um, I'm not a shopper, but no one has shopped longer or spent more on a gift than God. God meant to buy us back from the slavery of sin. We ought to show our appreciation for the high price that God paid for the gift of salvation. It's a gift to us. And we ought to do it through living holy lives. In the way you and I live and the way we serve, we show God how much we appreciate Jesus and His cross. Think about that. We need to dwell on that. In verse 20, uh, by the way, I, I hope I don't offend you. I'm kind of going to go backwards uh, in these three verses tonight. Not for any real reason, and, and not that I have some kind of cockeyed exegesis or whatnot, uh, but it just kind of fits into my mode. But in verse 20, he says, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. That phrase, in these last times, refers to the to the totality of Jesus' first advent. It begins with the Christmas story. And the, the last times is the Christmas story all the way through His res resurrection, ascension back to glory. You see, the story, the story of Jesus' life, everything He did, everything God gave in sending His Son, not only His cross, but everything when He came down to this earth, He left glory, gave up glory, to become one of us, to identify with us. Every bit of that is part of that price 
of redemption. In the sweetest, most meaningful thing we can do is show our appreciation for God's gift of salvation through the cross to think about and appreciate redemption. Redemption. Being bought from the slave market of sin and set free to know God and to serve Him. That's what this passage is about. Redemption. Here's how I'll break it out tonight. First of all, the plan of redemption. I'm going to read verse 20 again. I told you I'm going to kind of go backwards. Verse 20, the plan of redemption. For who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Peter says, God shopped a long time for the gift of salvation. From the beginning. From before the beginning. But you know, God is always saved by grace. Amen? Always, not by works. Noah found what in the eyes of the Lord? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. One of the... He, he did it all right, but he found God's grace and understood it. God's gift of salvation has always been on his mind. It's, that is, I, can, I can't dwell on that long till I th- feel like I've got to, somehow got to explain it. I can't. Can I tell you, Adam and Eve's fall in the garden, God didn't panic and say, you know, I've got to figure out some way to straighten this out. That's not what happened from eternity. God had had it in his mind. I'm going to redeem those that forsake me, fall from me, and give up on me. I won't give up on them. He gave up on the angels and Satan, one-third of the host of heaven. He just backed away. But not with us. Not with Adam's children. Not with the generation of men. God had it in his mind from before the foundation of the world. And I'm not going to enter some foolish exercise and try to give you some superficial logic about what this means. It just means what it means. God's always had it in his heart to redeem lost man. Does that do anything to us? Does that stir anything within us? Everything, always from eternity, God has been driven down the path of redeeming love. I'll pay any price to bring that. I read a quote just this afternoon. Uh, It comes from an old Puritan named Thomas Watson. Some of you may have heard of his book, Body of Divinity. It's an old book, an old print. But uh, I read a quote from it. He wrote this about God's redemptive work being his greatest work. He said, great was the work of creation, but greater the work of redemption. Now, this is what caught me. It cost more to redeem us than it cost to make us. It cost more to buy us back than it cost to put us together in the beginning. See, in one, in creation, all it took was a word from God. 
But in redemption, it took the blood of Jesus. Folks, it's something that God has given us life. It's something that he made us unique. And he gave us opportunity, creativity, the stewardship of this world. That he made us in his image. That's something. But that he redeemed us from the slave market of sin. That's beyond imagination. The greatest gift God ever gave us was not our life, but our new birth that comes through the cross of Jesus Christ. He said it was revealed in these last times for your sake. He's talking about it was revealed, fully revealed in the coming of Jesus Christ. As a babe in the manger and the man of perfection who went to a cross and became the perfect sacrifice. God, from the beginning, has had us on his mind and sought to redeem us. Um, have you, uh, I don't know how many of you are, are, are good gift buyers. I, I, Diana tells me I'm wrong on this, but uh, uh, I always, Christmas, birthdays, her birthday, anniversary, you know, I, I said, you know, I want to be like these, you know, these romances you see on TV where somebody comes up with this incredible gift out the wazoo type thing. And, um, and, uh, and I, you know, I, I, I go buy a gift card. Uh, and uh, uh, I, uh, I, I, I just don't see myself as the greatest gift giver in the world. But have you ever... Maybe for someone's, maybe for a golden anniversary or maybe a child's 21st birthday or graduation from high school or college or, or uh, uh, maybe the, that silver anniversary between a husband and wife. But you, there was a gift one time that you planned for for a long time. You know, this is it. I know what I want to do. You used all your brain power. You brought together all your deepest affection uh, you put together all your proudest efforts. Uh, you knew it was just the just right thing. And when you finally gave that gift, you got a bigger thrill out of it than the person you gave it to. You, you remember that? Everybody's watching. You know, they open it up. Uh, you know what Jesus said? Listen to me. It's more blessed to give than receive. Do you think it blessed God to give the precious blood of Jesus Christ to redeem you from sin? Do you think when, the, when he said it is finished, even though we know he turned his face away and Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Even we, we know there was something about the holiness of God and Jesus carrying the sins of the, of, the, of the universe on his shoulders. There was some kind of measure of separation, but there wasn't any separation. I tell you, at that point, the great gift of redemption was open. And I'm telling you, I believe my Father in heaven looked down and says, I'm enjoying this more than anybody. I have given redemption to those that have become my children. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. God shopped a long time for this gift, and it's the greatest gift.
the gift of redemption. Well, let's talk about the price of redemption. I talked about that great gift there for a few moments. Um, let's talk about the price. Let's jump back up to verse 18, all right? Are you with me? I, I'm keeping you on your toes tonight. Start at verse 20, go back to 18. We'll stick 19 in there somewhere. But 18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers. He says, he's, first of all, he states the price of redemption in a negative fashion. He says, it's not anything you can buy with silver and gold. Do you know religious people have tried to buy religious things forever? I mean, uh, silver and gold. But silver and gold can never buy what people need most. There's no amount of money that can take away the guilt of sin and set the sinner free. You know, the Bible's very clear about it. There's just nothing. There are no amount of good works, right? Ephesians 2, uh, 9, not by works, lest any man should boast. You can't do it with works. You can't do it with, with spiritual ritual. You can't do it going to church. You can't do it with just getting wet in a baptistry. You can't do it just by walking down an aisle. Um, God, has to, God has to redeem you. You had to respond to the spilled blood of Jesus Christ and the cross before you can be saved and be redeemed. It takes something far more valuable, far more precious than our good works, our good intentions, and certainly not money. And in the positive sense, he says, it's the precious blood of Christ. The precious blood of Christ. You know, the shedding of blood has always been in God's plan. It's always been about paying the price of sin. I want to, let's review some of the Scripture regarding this to help us out. Ezekiel 18.4 said, Behold, all souls are mine as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And in the Leviticus 17.11, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. The soul that sinneth it shall die, but I, I've given you the blood to make atonement for this. Hebrews 9.22, And almost all things by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isaiah 1.18, Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool, because they're washed in the blood. Exodus 12, 13, in the blood. Remember the Passover. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. And I will smite the land of Egypt. We are redeemed with the highest price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Um, I am... Um, Many of you, you may or may not have a 
close affection for Charles Stanley. He's had, had his own woes and ups and downs through the years. Uh, 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 Dr. Stanley, uh, though, has written a great many wonderful books. Uh, he sticks with the word these days. Uh, I hate the troubles and woes that he went through, but uh, um, I, I do remember a story that still is meaningful to me. Um, uh, he uh, said he was doing research, uh, and his research was, was on the sin and the price of sin and what it cost us in our lives and whatnot. And, uh, uh, and he says he began to collect his information and put it in a binder. And he says, I just so happens that one of the binders that I had was one of those, I, I don't even know, you know, kind of the kind of plastic covers with a kind of a, a wooden ridge on the end to kind of hold the papers in. Anybody ever seen one of these, these kind of binders? And yeah, they come in different col colors, gold, blue, yellow, uh, orange, and whatnot. And uh, he, sa he said, I happen to have a red one. He says, and I was making notes, and I began to collect a group of scriptures uh, about sin and the depths of it, the cost of it, and the heartache of it, and 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 to, to highlight them so I'd have them for my for my book and for my what I wanted to pen later. Says I I uh, I made sure they were in red, they were in red whether it was red letter edition, not Jesus word, but just red. Now, all these scriptures about sin had them in red, and it says and I stuck them in that binder. And that red cellophane cover came over that page. And I said, well, where's my, where's my notes? And he says, but open back up. There they were. There's all those verses about sin and the cost of sin. He says, and I closed the cover again. And the red cover made those red words disappear. And he said, with all my research, I got one taste of glory in heaven in a moment when God showed, said, just like my blood covers your sins. There you see it. There they disappear before the heart and mind of God. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. That's redemption, my friend. That's the price paid. That's what God spent on the gift. Substitutionary atonement. Do you know the passage? So many of you can quote uh, Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23. If you have your Bibles, we want to turn there for a moment. I want to talk to you about substitutionary atonement before I leave this section and come to my last point. Um, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's all this theme about the redemption of Jesus. He said, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. 
This passage is all about redemption, shedding of blood, God paying the price. He says, and the re you know, somebody might ask, why the blood? Why did God have to do it that way? Why did, why did, why did Jesus have to die? I, re I read some theological turkey this afternoon that was saying um, that, that Jesus, you, you know, it really couldn't have been God's idea to put his son to death for somebody else. Um, folks, I'm telling you, you're not redeemed without the blood. Um, and he said, the reason there had to be the blood, the reason there had to be the sacrifice, the reason God had to pay so high a price is because he had to be just and the justifier. Just, can I give you kind of a kinpoke, cockeyed illustration? This is not the best illustration in the world. Um, but can, could you imagine with me for a moment the perfect referee? Uh, I mean, in other words, he makes every call exactly right. I know he doesn't call you T-games, yeah, uh, but he makes, some of you got that. Okay, uh, the perfect ref, the perfect, he makes every call exact. he never misses a call. He never misses a call. In other words, he's totally just. See, can I tell you something? God has to be perfectly holy. He can't miss a call. If he did, he wouldn't be holy. You understand? He would not be totally just. So how can he deal with us? See, some people say, well, God has to judge the major sins but those that can't help it or just kind of slip up, the, the small stuff. You know, I can't always identify with that because most of my stuff ain't small stuff, especially before we came to know Jesus. It's not small at all. <coughs> you see, he can't miss a call. So how can a God of love redeem, bring back, save, give his grace to fallen people? How can he be both just and the justifier? He can send his perfect holy son to carry the weight of all our sin, cast all the calls on him, all of the, the, the penalties on him. You take them all. Now I can be just. I, I don't miss a call, but I can be the justifier because I have redeemed you with the blood of Jesus Christ the high price of redemption. <coughs> Apologize. I got to close, don't I? Um, I want to remind you tonight that there is no greater gift than redemption. Amen. I believe with all my heart that's what uh, Peter's trying to say. In verse 18, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ is a lamb without blemish and without spot. You were redeemed from your empty way of life. <coughs> Excuse me. Handed down from your forefathers. Blood, 
of Adam, the seed of Adam, has become our seed. We are all born sinners, amen? Uh, we are. And that sin makes us slaves to sin. But redemption looses us from the slave market of sin. We are redeemed from the slavery of sin. From sin's power and sin's bondage. You know, we cannot escape sin on our own. You can't do it. Uh, boy, if I could get let loose sometime and tell you my testimony. I, I, growing up being taught like I was, I was totally convinced I would never be right with God until I could overcome and escape my own sin. I had to have the strength and the willpower and the determination to conquer my own sin. And I lived there for years. I lived deep in sin for years, thinking just that. that and I'd get so convicted. I'd get so bent out of shape about my life, the way I lived, the people I hurt. And I would pray. And I, I, I'd go to church from time to time. And, I, and I would, I'd want to tell God, I'm going to get it right. I'm going to do it right this time. I'm going to do it right this time. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to really, I'm going to try my best. And you know, the harder I tried, the worse I got. Every time, watch this. Every time I determined to beat this thing on my own, when I did go back, when I did turn away from that, I went back further than I'd ever been before. I became worse than I ever was before. Because I was so defeated about how sin defeated me. But the night I got saved, somehow the Holy Ghost through the gospel and the preacher communicated to me, it's time to quit trying and just trust your life to Jesus because he finished the work of redemption on the cross. And I got saved. And I, didn't get, I hadn't gotten over it yet. I got saved. I just trusted him. I couldn't believe it could be that, like that. That he paid the price. He gave the gift. I thought I could beat sin on my own. I thought I could escape from the slave market of sin. I didn't know that Jesus wanted to buy me out. But he said, you're redeemed from your empty way of life. Empty way of life. How better can you describe being lost than just being empty? Empty. Um, it's empty because I'll tell you one reason being in the lost world is empty because nothing can fill it. I tell you, nothing can satisfy your soul like Jesus. You'll never feel it. Enough is never enough. I got a sermon called The Doctrine of Enough. I used to live there. Have I done enough? Am I good enough? Have I prayed enough? Have I repented enough? Have I cried enough? Am I determined enough? I just never knew that Jesus is enough. Redeemed from your empty way of life that came from your parents. You know, our parents, especially if they were lost, um, have given us a lot of bad patterns. A lot of bad patterns. And you need to know that 
parents here tonight. Um, you do know, I believe with all my heart, the reason that God said in the Ten Commandments, in the Sixth Commandment, honor thy father and mother, is because in the earliest days of life, you're God to your kids. You're their strength, their provider, their teacher. You're every, I mean, you're God to them. Uh, but later on, they learn you ain't God. But they learn your patterns. They learn your habits. And I want to tell you, if you're here tonight and you're still suffering somehow from patterns and habits you learned from your parents, from your dad or your mom, their personalities or attitudes, and they didn't walk with the Lord as they should, I want to encourage you in something tonight. I don't want you to stop loving your mom and dad. You should never stop honoring your mom and dad, even a lost mom and dad. You shouldn't. But you can break the patterns. You can keep loving them and let the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ change your life. And you love them like Jesus loves them. And watch the blood break those patterns. Redemption. All of that's about the redemption. See, redemption. See, Jesus' blood just didn't save me from hell. It saved me from myself. Saved me from the bondage of sin. The power of sin. Why do we sing victory in Jesus? That's my favorite hymn. They'll probably sing it at my funeral. Somebody will sing it. I may sing it. You'll, you'll get a kick out of that, me singing at my funeral. Victory in Jesus. It's redemption. Redemption.